You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey, I'm feeling I'm feeling excited uh, today, ex- exceptionally excited, because this is our first podcast since we moved down to Jamaica temporarily, permanently, not forever and ever, but for a while. And it was it was an ordeal. The buildup was very nerve wracking because I don't know, there was just a lot to wrap up in Toronto, but excited to be down here. We are I guess what you'd call isolating. We're not forced to stay in our hotel room, but we're not seeing anybody else for 14 days. And then we're going to move over to the north, north-ish coast, north, kind of in the middle of the island on the north coast to Arakabasa to be with my family, which will be interesting because, oh my gosh, I miss them so much. But also, I definitely think Brandon has... Uh, different expectations of distancing than than maybe other people. You, you err on the side of caution. Distancing is distancing. I mean, we've been told in Canada to keep our distance, wear a mask if you're inside, and to limit your uh, your group, your um, your circle, your bubble. Yeah, but you're not in Canada now, so I think that to say distancing is distancing. It's definitely different wherever you are. You know, we have folks who are listening in the States and even across the States, the standards are different. I'm not saying that, you know, I I get that they're saying six feet, masks limit indoor exposure, but people's notion of bubble. So I don't know if they're using the language of bubble everywhere, but in Ontario, they're talking about, you know, the size of your bubble and how, how big it's allowed to be. And it depends on the area that you're in. So certainly you know, I, I think it's a challenge and we have to learn from a relationship perspective to communicate our own needs and our own boundaries. I think people who are not receiving hugs and physical affection from me, when it's safe to do so, and with your consent, I will be hugging the crap out of everybody. So perhaps enjoy this period right now where I'm not hugging you. Yeah, and I'm a little more comfortable with hugs with some people. It was my mom's 70th birthday yesterday so before we left we saw her and I I mean I'm not gonna lie I gave her a hug we were wearing masks but I gave her you gave her a hug too I did give her a hug but again it was one of the few that I have given out over the last 10 months so you can imagine I'm getting so many hugs from Brandon I just I just can't get away yeah you know it's all good but anyhow, happy to be down here and, uh, you know, shifting our work so that we can work from down here. And obviously very fortunate that we are able to come down here and do most of our work. I mean, my work has shifted considerably. I'm not doing my regular work, but doing some of these things virtually has has worked out. And, you know, we, ha- we have a number of topics we want to talk about tonight, uh, many to do with some of the questions you've sent in. I've been getting more and more questions from you with appreciation. Thank you very much. And before we dive into those, I want to talk very quickly about letsgetchecked.com. They offer at-home health testing on everything from sexually transmitted infections to hormones to fertility to liver tests, cortisol tests, kidney tests, all those things. So check them out at letsgetchecked.com. And please use code Dr. Jess to save so that they know that you found them via our podcast. 
Now, the topic I want to begin with is one that is a challenge for me and I think I'm a little bit sensitive about. And this topic came up because of a journalist and PR person Vaughn Stafford Gray. Now, Vaughn Stafford Gray is a writer. He's also Canadian Jamaican. I think he's living in Jamaica right now. I need to check it out. But he emailed me the other day because he was writing a big story on food and relationships. Now, I don't want to give it away because it hasn't been published yet, but you can check out Vaughn Stafford Gray on Instagram. We actually met uh, in Jamaica at one of my auntie's parties a while back and he was taught he he's writing about mini food cultures and romantic relationships and as i said i highly recommend you check out his work but i want to talk about food in our relationship and ask some questions so for those of you listening do you think it's important that you eat together with your partner do you feel that there's value in eating together as a family is food something that is essential to your relationships? Is food something that is just sustenance or is it something that is, you know, rooted in socializing and bonding? And you can probably guess where I land on these, but Brandon and I definitely don't agree. Uh, Food means something to me and mealtime means something to me that it doesn't mean to you. And it's, it's been a I guess I'll just tell the story. It's been a point of contention for us in the relationship for many, many years. Uh, From, for example, my feeling frustrated that I, you know, I do all the shopping and the cooking or even ordering of food, whereas you're happy sort of eating a cereal bar or a protein ball. And I've always kind of chalked up your either disinterest or unwillingness or just general lower levels of enthusiasm toward food. I've always chalked it up to kind of a laziness, like you don't feel like bothering. And then I've had to learn over the years that it's not lazy, and that's a, a big judgment on my on my part. I acknowledge that. It's that you just don't care as much. And I wonder if there are cultural differences because I think about growing up and in my family's case, my mom – being in the kitchen and kind of bringing food as an act of love. And even still today, my mom showing up on our porch, when even when she couldn't come inside because we weren't allowed, she would show up with soup and show up with dumplings and show up with f- freshly baked bread and cinnamon rolls. My mom can honestly, shout out to my mom who became a septuagenarian yesterday, She can make anything, and she makes it so damn good. Like, she'll taste a focaccia bread and then go home and make it. But for me, it was such uh, an important moment of bonding every single day with my family. And also, I think, an expression of love. And I show my love in that way. I'll I'll sometimes drop food off to other people. If I pick up something that tastes delicious, I want to pick it up for a friend. And other people in my life, like many of our neighbors— also express love through food. So this has been really normalized for me. And it doesn't mean it's right. And it doesn't mean it's the only way. It's just one way. But then, of course, in my human, you know, the universal desire to generalize your own feelings and desires to everyone else, I've made judgments on you. So, for example, you have 
these two bars, like protein bars or something in the morning. And it always has driven me nuts that you don't think of sitting down and eating with me or getting food that I would like to eat. And, you know, we we have fought about it in the past. And then, you know, I don't know how long ago, uh, if it was a year or two years or longer, I realized that some things just aren't resolvable. I cannot like it and it can bother me, but I can't also expect you to do things differently just because I want to because I know you take so much pleasure in just sitting and having your coffee and these two bars. Now I'm long-winded. Brandon's like waiting to get to the mic. Maybe you should share your perspective because I I really want to say I don't think I'm right. I just know what feels good for me and you don't have to do everything that feels good for me because you do so much that feels good for me. So I would agree with you. I'm not trying to absolve myself of responsibility there. I think that I, it's probably a combination of factors. This, number one, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that a bit of it is is laziness, is selfishness. When I wake up in the morning, I've used a million excuses as to why I don't make you breakfast. But Not make me breakfast, but share in breakfast with me. Or even like you, the way I look at it is you make sure you have your bars in the house, but you wouldn't make sure that there's, you know, bread or other things in the house that I eat. Well, recently, I would say that I have taken more of an effort to make sure that there are some basic necessities for you. I still don't know that it necessarily is what you want. I see you shaking your head. You don't think that there's like fresh bread baguettes in the house sometimes and also my mom brings it over and we freeze it and then you warm it up for me I I, what I want to say is that and I want to say this to you you're really thoughtful and I know that whenever you can do something for me you always do Uh, I was just reminding reminded of the divide in food values that I, I do think are maybe cultural yeah, maybe that's what it boils down to. At the end of the day, growing up, I remember eating some meals together, but it, there were certain meals that we had together frequently. But most of the time it was dinner you ate. Every other meal was kind of grab and go. Like we were always running out of the door. And that might have had to do with just the attitude towards food. It might have had to do how we were always running behind, with, with whether it was getting to school or also, growing up, the, the focus wasn't so much on eating together because oftentimes there were different things that we were doing in the evening, whether it was sports or just everybody kind of had their own life. And I don't think that that's... That couldn't have been the case when you were like six years old, though. No, but I don't remember anything from before I was about <laughs> 10. So you can't comment. You can't ask me questions about pre-10 years old. Yes, this is this is true. And I, I was, you know, when... When Von Stafford Gray contacted me about the story, I started looking into the research and how meal rituals are, not only do they vary from family to family and culture to culture and individual to individual, but they're also really shifting as lifestyles evolve. So we see more and more people who are opting for breakfast to to go. So like what you eat, babe, in the form of bars or smoothies or shakes. And dinners are also more likely to involve takeout or delivery. So I was reading one piece, uh, I think it was a an industry report in the UK with restaurants reporting that, and this is pre-COVID, that half of the meals they serve are in fact for takeout now. So people aren't necessarily cooking. And I thought that's kind of interesting because not cooking can potentially alleviate tension related to division of labor and maybe even potentially create space for more 
quality time. And I was also thinking that when you order in, it can help to address disparities in either dietary restrictions or food preferences. So, you know, if I eat meat and you don't eat meat, or if you like a salad and I don't like a salad, ordering in can address that where that's maybe a little bit more labor. If you're cooking together or for the family, you can't necessarily make a meal for each person. And then the other piece I saw And this relates to our episode last week with regard to technoference. We're seeing that technoference at the dinner table can certainly have adverse effects on on mealtime and on connection. And a third of people reported that their partner checks their phone during the meal, which I always think is funny why we're like snitching on our partners instead of saying, yeah, I check my phone during the meal. And of course, this type of technoference is positively correlated with conflict and lower relationship satisfaction and even depressive symptoms and lower life satisfaction. So I, I don't know. I thought I'd just throw it out there and ask folks whether you fight about food, whether that has to do with who prepares the meal, who does the shopping, because it is quite a, not only a labor, but from my perspective, a labor of love. But I also think it's just, I don't know, I, I'm wondering how many people, uh, you know, have these cultural or family or ethnic background differences that play this important role with regard to expectations and values. So I look at, you know, if you see the family meal as an expression of love and connection, it's so easy to read your partner's indifference as indifference to the relationship when really for them it's just about food and you are reading into it. And I've caught myself in this, which is why talking about your expectations, not just about what you want, but really digging into why you want it and the underlying values you attach to anything, whether it's food or sex, can help to improve understanding and reduce tension. And we've had to do that over the years because I, I, you know, I used to get so frustrated about the bars. And now I'm like, hey, he likes to eat the bars. It's not because he doesn't want to eat with you. It's not because he doesn't care about you. Uh, I'm doing some negative filtering here if I think you don't care about me because you do so many things for me. And so many, you express your love in so many ways. It's like, just get over the bars, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. And also, I again going back to all the excuses I make one of the problems that I have is that when I have made an effort to make food it sucks and you know how much (laughs) it sucks when you try and I mean again it's an excuse but with time and with practice and with effort it will get better but I made breakfast the other day number one it did suck it was it was and more embarrassingly it was avocado toast I'm like how do you screw up avocado it's literally avocado lime on bread and it was like the bread wasn't toasted the avocado was like kind of (laughs) rotten <laughs> and I'm eating my bars. But it, it, it's this cycle where, y- y- you know, for me, I make the food, it stinks. And then I, I'm, it's reinforcing that negative um, association with making a meal where I, I need to just get over it. What I've said before and what I would love to do, I actually would love to to have your mom help me just make one or two things really, really well. You know, something basic. I find the best food I've ever had is just the most basic of ingredients and the simplest meal. Once I've got one or two of those down, maybe then when I make them, it won't suck. You'll be happy <laughs> and make me want to make more food. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking about this. Just I think maybe we couldn't have talked about it a few years ago because it was more of a, a little issue. Right. It's still an issue. I'm. I can probably check my heart rate right now, and it's probably <laughs> elevated. Why? Why do you? Why do you feel that way? You know what? It's something that we have argued about for years, yeah. and 
you know, it's something that still isn't 100% resolved because I find our schedules all are all over the place. So well, there's a lot true. of moving parts. That's true. And uh, well, I want to say to you then that I, like I really I feel like I want you to have what you want. And if what you want is to sit and have coffee in a breakfast bar, I definitely don't want to stand in the way of that. And I do want to thank you because I do feel as though, you know, if there is bread in the house, you warm it up for me in the oven or you put butter on it. I'd love for you to learn to love the RX bar. Ew. Yeah. No. Dates on dates. Oh, I don't like dried fruit. And my mom, actually, before we came to Jamaica, like, shout out to mom, seriously. Your mom's a sick cook. She is so amazing, but also just so generous with her time and energy. She made Brandon, like, a hundred balls. Energy balls. Balls on balls. Yeah. Love them. Like dried apricot rolled balls and peanut butter something or other rolled balls. And they're better than anything in the store for real. So good. Yeah. Mom is amazing. She could have her. She's retired MJ now, but her name's Mary Joy. But she could definitely, if she felt like a another career, she could do anything with food and lots of other things. She's really amazing. So happy belated to my mom who I know is not listening. <laughs> I, rest, I just, I assure myself that my mom isn't listening, but maybe she is. Uh, so I I do want to get to some topics that folks have sent in. And this this is a really common one. So we often hear from people who have difficulty having an orgasm with their partner. But I'm also now hearing more and more from partners who are bothered by the fact that their partner isn't having an orgasm. So this fo- this person writes in, uh, I can't make my girlfriend orgasm, and it really bothers me. I'm deeply in love with her, and I want to pleasure her sexually We have a great relationship and communication, but still, she bought a sex toy recently, which uh, makes her come, but also makes her squirt. And I'm really happy for her. I truly am. But I do feel unworthy. Can you help me? Any tips, reading material, resources? It's really important to me. I want to pleasure her and become a better lover for her. So there's so much here. I just want to begin by saying You are so worthy. The fact that you care about your partner's pleasure, the fact that you've built a relationship, that you cultivate communication, that you're going out of your way to learn, you are probably an amazing lover and a very worthy partner. And I want to say, I really hear you, that it can feel, it's easy to feel, you know, like not as good as you would like to feel, I don't want to put words in your mouth, when you feel that they can derive a certain type of pleasure or maybe a higher level a level of pleasure in one way, but not with you. And I want to say it's also, you know, common that when using a toy and when on our own, we can relax a little bit more or get into the right headspace or be physically overwhelmed in a way that, you know, makes us reach orgasm, I do want to emphasize that you don't really necessarily give a partner an orgasm. They're an important part of the process too. So this isn't on you. This could in fact have to do with, uh, you know, her struggles to let go, maybe her feelings of performance pressure. Uh, Brandon, have you ran into this? Like, I know that it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) We've been together a long time and I know that you know how to achieve what it is you're looking to achieve. I, the first thing that came to my mind was just, it sounds like they have a great relationship, Mm -hmm. which I thought was fantastic. But as you were explaining your answer, I was thinking, could you not, um, both, what I'm thinking is, she enjoys the the toy or your partner enjoys the toy 
I would think about using the toy with 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 them and then possibly complementing that with touch and then eventually over the course of whether it's a month or two months or three months can you get to the point where the percentage that you're using the toy versus your own hand starts to shift in favor of you or your mouth or whatever it is that you're using so you're still using the toy but you're learning as you go where it's like maybe at first 95 percent of what you're doing to achieve orgasm is the toy five percent is your touch and kiss and all the other things and then slowly you start shifting that focus onto your touch and see what works in that respect just yeah yeah absolutely i love that i think brandon covered it um i I would challenge you also to think about why like do is it absolutely necessary to take the toy out of the equation um and, and why is that? To maybe dig a little bit deeper. Uh, in terms of, you know, techniques, I have a, a gazillion I could share with you. And I would recommend that you go check out my mind-blowing oral clitoral edition video course at happiercouples.com. And hopefully you can, you can play with some techniques that work for her. Uh, and maybe you can mimic the toy as well. So it depends on what type of toy she's using. So if she's using a vibrator, can you kind of vibe with your finger against whatever area feels good for her? Can you vibe with your lips? Can you moan so that she gets those reverberations? If she's using more of a pleasure air toy, like the womanizer products can you roll your tongue into a tube or can you kind of gently suck on the clitoris Uh, but I I really do want to emphasize that it's not entirely on you it may be that you know maybe she feels more relaxed with the toy or less self-conscious I don't again I don't want to these are not guarantees I don't want to say that I know her situation but I think that you're already on the right track. I think first you should work on feeling worthy because you absolutely are. You can totally experiment with new ways to touch. I would also re- recommend full body touch. If you can take 20 minutes to just rile her up by touching her body from head to toe with your lips, with your breath, with the backs of your fingers, with massage oil, uh, and just different stroke techniques, I think uh, that might get her body more into an aroused and relaxed state. I love that idea. I like the idea of spending the first however long, 10, 20 minutes working them up and then initially using the toy to help them get to orgasm. And then eventually, like I was saying before, you could start shifting and doing a little bit longer um, and really working them up on your own. But again, whatever works, works. Yeah. Somebody brought this up recently that we use so many different tools in our lives to ensure that things work for us or feel comfortable for us or that we function in a way that that is desirable and that varies from person to person but somebody talked about glasses and contact lenses and how I you know I wear contact lenses every day so that I can have 20/20 vision Brandon wears his glasses like 50% of the time so he can have 20/20 vision but we're not trying to get rid of our glasses or our contact lenses we've just integrated them into our lives with no shame and so we use these different tools and accoutrements all the time but when it comes to sex we feel we shouldn't so I think it's also okay, okay to just you know, orgasm more with a toy. And maybe you can use a toy together. Oh, that's a great idea too. So I don't know what your anatomy is, but if you have a penis, you could wear a vibrating ring that you wear during intercourse and it would vibrate against her clitoris. And if you don't have a penis, if you also have a clitoris, you could be using toys together, like different ones that harness on. So I do recommend the We Vibe 
pivot, which is a vibrating penis ring that is actually designed for the partner's pleasure as well. So to rub and grind and vibrate against the the clitoris during intercourse during, in different positions. So that's the WeVibe pivot. And if you go to WeVibe.com, you can use code Dr. Jess to save a couple of dollars. So I hope that's a little bit helpful. And, and now I want to move on to a couple of questions about masturbation because I received two different ones actually back to back. So I'm going to read them to you and then we can chat about that a little. This first person says, I'm having serious struggles with masturbation. I grew up in a Baptist household and masturbation was frowned upon. I'm even embarrassed to admit that I didn't know women could even get themselves off until after I was married. My husband left me and divorce is now final. And for the first time in my life, I feel free to explore my sexuality. And damn girl, it is amazing. I'm running into a serious problem, though. I can masturbate with a vibrator. Wow. However, I never get anywhere with my fingers for the manual deal. Actually, this ties into the last question. I'm desperate to figure this out so I can tell my partner what works, but I have no idea. I've looked in websites, asked my girlfriends, tried a suggestion of yours, uh, tried to mimic the action, but I've had no success. Please help my clit sing. All right. I want to read the next one uh, because I think they they tie in. Uh, This person says... I love your podcast. All right. Thank you. (laughs) I'm a 38-year-old woman who has never experienced pleasure from masturbation, and I wanted to know if this is normal. I've tried to masturbate a few times in the past, but usually can only stand it for a minute or two as playing with my clit really does not turn me on. And actually, I find it to be weird, and I'm not comfortable with my body at all. I also find fingering myself to be gross and not a turn on at all, even though if my husband does it or when I have had previous partners do it, it does turn me on. Is this normal? Are there other women who have experienced this too? I am now at a point in my life where I want to be more comfortable with my body, be able to learn how to masturbate, and even try using a sex toy without feeling like it would be weird or gross or uncomfortable, but where do I even start? Is this something that can be overcome and are there things I can try to learn how to be more comfortable and in tune with my own body? All right. So actually, all three of these listeners, I think the questions tie in with some some similar themes. So if we begin just with masturbation and the shame attached to masturbation and the shame attached to our bodies... That's quite a process to to let go of, right? It's not as simple as here's a technique you can try or here's a way you can touch yourself. I do think it's worth looking into the source of the shame so that you can maybe rewrite some of those messages that automatically occur when you think about pleasure, masturbation, and your body. So I would kind of start with who taught me that? Does that person actually know about pleasure or masturbation or my body, do I really value that source of information? And it's funny because growing up, my mom would always say to me, consider the source. So I remember like if somebody was mean to me or made fun of me, she would say, consider the source, right? Like does this does this person actually know? You know, if, if, if a kid called me stupid or I do remember, you know, having my food made fun of because I brought more like Chinese food and sometimes Jamaican food to lunch. And I remember my mom saying, consider the source. And now I'm like, yeah, they were eating, I don't know, craft singles, <laughs> sandwiches. I should be happy I had my my dumplings. <laughs> but I do love a craft singles slice. That's true. I it's like a too. guilty pleasure. So good. I, so bad. I don't feel any guilt. I'm like, I like that rubbery taste. <laughs> 
Uh, what I don't like is, is the, the bread with all the chemicals, but that's neither here nor there. So consider the source and consider kind of looking back at your sexual values. And I would recommend you go back to one of the previous podcasts on sexual values to think about, you know, what does pleasure mean to me, right? Why, why am I entitled to pleasure? Why do I reject pleasure? What makes me uncomfortable about pleasure? And then go back to those sources, right? So we can rewrite these messages. The problem is when you spend your whole life when you have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years with negative messaging ingrained and imposed upon you, we actually have to consciously rewrite those messages, right? And so for masturbation, if you're feeling like it's wrong or if you're feeling like it's dirty, I would just ask you to kind of look at, well, where's the evidence for that, right? Where's the evidence that this pleasure in my body could actually do me harm? Right? Is, is there any evidence that if I touch myself and it feels good, that something bad will happen? Is there any evidence that if I touch myself and it feels good, that, you know, I'll become ill or, uh, you know, whether that's mentally or physically? So I think first you have to just really give yourself permission. Um, in terms of feeling good in your body, I do find that the more time you spend naked, the better you you start to feel with your body because oftentimes clothes are really about covering our own shame so can you spend tiny little spurts of time naked uh, and can you derive other forms of pleasure from your body whether it's movement or yoga or dance or eating or drinking or singing can you sit in your body and just think about you know where where do you find pleasure and then a couple of um, comments I saw in these questions related to things not feeling good. So if it doesn't feel good when you touch your clit, that's okay. Some people don't enjoy having direct stimulation of their clit. So I would, I would encourage you to just stay away from the genitals to begin with and touch the rest of your body. Where do you find pleasure? Can we make pleasure the measure in our relationships so that exploring pleasure across the body, whether that's you know, your breasts or your collarbone or your shoulders or your lips or your thighs or your feet. Uh, where else can you find any sort of pleasure? It doesn't have to be erotic or sexual to begin with, but the more you attach pleasure to your body instead of shame, the more likely you are to eventually embrace sexual pleasure. So uh, for the person who's asking about masturbating with a vibrator but not getting anywhere with your fingers number one I want to say that just might be the case that's okay you might just find that the vibrator gives you the sensations that you need and there's kind of nothing wrong with that uh, you did say that you tried to mimic the action uh, I, I understand that you said that 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 didn't work but what else works could you cup your hand right around your vulva and just kind of wind and grind and squeeze your legs together and does that feel good? Or maybe we need to forget the physical and move to the emotional and the mental and start fantasizing or watching something that turns you on or reading something that turns you on or writing a story that tells you turns you on or thinking about something from your past that turns you on because it's not always about the physical. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know, my hope is that you learn to feel 
good in your body that you know that your experience is absolutely normal. There are absolutely other people who are experiencing this. You are not broken. There is not one specific way you ought to respond to genital touch. Um, I know people who orgasm from playing with the small of their back. I know people who don't orgasm unless they fantasize. And all of that is okay. Uh, If you are interested, again, if you're interested in touch techniques, if that's specifically what you want to look at, you can check out the mind-blowing oral class because it's not all oral. It's also manual. Uh, But man, I want to say if a vibrator is working for you, go for it. If fantasy works for you, then go for it. Listening to everything that you had to say and, and reflecting back on my own experience. I mean, I grew up in a household Canadian British. We didn't talk about sex. It wasn't shamed there was no shame associated. We just didn't talk about it. I went to a Catholic high school. We didn't talk about it. Um, And as I become more receptive to, you know, hearing other people's journeys and experiences, it's really hard to feel comfortable in your own body when there are so many outlets telling you to cover up, you know, wear this to look great, you know, do this, that like you said, spending time being naked, I find is helpful. The, the other thing I reflect back on as, 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 as a guy growing up, I never really, masturbation was quick. It was like you did something in the bathroom or in your bedroom quickly. You didn't want to get caught. You never took any time to kind of explore yourself. And very recently, I've started to just touch my own body, not sexually, just touching different parts of my body that I haven't otherwise always loved. And when I've taken the time and carved out that time to do these things, it's amazing how it started to shift my arousal. And again, it doesn't always have to lead to sex, but just touching my abdomen, touching the sides, all of these things and taking the time really helped me relax. And all of a sudden kind of get a little bit more in tune with my body, which I thought was a really interesting transition away from what I grew up expecting about touch and masturbation and all these things. Yeah, that's so true. I think for people with penises, it's always about just stroking the penis to orgasm. Whereas I do think for people with vaginas, we we encourage them to explore the whole body. But you're right, it's it's important for people of all genders and with all genital makeups. And you also reminded me that I think another thing for both of these people to try is mindful masturbation. And what that entails is Touching for pleasure, but not for arousal, not for orgasm, not for any goal, except to tune in to what you're feeling in your body. So imagine touching yourself with your hands just to see like what, what's the temperature, what's the texture, what's the rhythm, what's the speed, how does it feel against your fingertips, How does it feel against your lips or your clit or wherever you're touching? How does the pleasure or how do the sensations spread across your body? Like what are you feeling in your toes when you touch between your legs? What are you feeling in your thighs? What are you feeling in your lips? What do you feel in your face? And so when we move masturbation away from a goal-oriented process to just an experience, right? Like if you don't orgasm, don't worry, man. Just tune into those sensations. Maybe even do a couple of nights of mindful masturbation, purposefully not orgasming. And then write down, jot down in a journal 
how you felt, right? Like what were you feeling emotionally? What were you feeling psychologically, mentally? What did you feel in your body? What did you feel in your skin? And there's no right, there's no wrong. It doesn't have to change. It doesn't have to be a growth arc, but just to kind of honestly be more mindful, right? And I'm, I'm doing all my shameless plugging today, but I, I do have a course on mindful sex that I think can really help people to change the way they feel in their body and experience pleasure in new ways, in more uh, intense ways, and in more a more present way. And so the mindful sex course is also at happiercouples.com. And I do think it's worth checking out because it can help you to to just tune in to a broader range of sensations without being hung up on a goal, right? Like I know that some people are asking, well, how do I do this with my fingers or how do I make this happen? But what if we just tuned into the process? What you're going to find is that A, you're probably going to let go of some of those goals and B, some of those things that you previously categorized as a goal just arise on their own. So I do I do think it's worth checking that out. And even if you don't buy my video course, um, just look at some mindfulness strategies, including breathing and visualization and sensate focus, which means focusing on the physical sensations themselves. And, and I do know that the sex journaling can really help. Maybe I'll talk about that uh, in depth another time. Uh, I know that Brandon has to run. Man's got big things popping. So I, I want to thank you for listening. Really thank folks for writing in with their questions. And if you also want to write in with answers to some of these questions, because by no means are our insights or responses comprehensive, please do send us a message. You can even send us voice notes uh, on Instagram and we can play them on the podcast if you don't mind. It would be nice to hear someone's voice other than mine. You wouldn't know it from how much I talk, but I would like to shut up once in a while. So thank you for the questions. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our supporter, letsgetchecked.com. Please do check them out and use code Dr. Jess at checkout to save everything from testosterone tests to thyroid tests and to STI tests, all done in the comfort of your home with secure results online. So thank you to Let's Get Checked. Code Dr. Jess is the one to use. Hope you are having a fabulous day wherever you are, keeping safe, keeping healthy, and we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.